When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Sabrina and I are super excited to welcome today's guest, star of the hit, I think we can use the word hit, Netflix series, Magic for Humans, Justin Wellman. Hi, Justin. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I put hit in there so that you can say it. You can say hit. I wrote that. Oh, thank you. It's actually not even on my notes. I I, I took some liberty and improv that. You added hit. I like adding adjectives. Thank you. So COVID's been good to you. You have blown (laughs) up during this. Uh, you're not allowed, I'm not allowed to say that COVID's the best thing that ever happened to me, right? No, you're I not. I shouldn't say that. No, no. it's been no. a terrible, horrible mm-hmm. thing, but it's certainly COVID has, has been terrible. And I will say, um, in some ways, there have been silver linings. I mean, it's re- it's been the worst, It's there've been several of the worst things that have ever happened to me, happened this year. Uh, some COVID related, some not. This year sucks. However, as a performer, uh, I learned early on that my emotional stability, I never knew this, is very tied to applause and performing and connecting to people. So like after a couple months of not being able to be on tour and having to cancel all this stuff, like I was really getting anxious and uh, just very restless. So so I did have to come up with a way to still connect with people and you know do these Zoom shows, which has been fun and they've been very successful despite it being a really shitty year. And I mean, you, you say about, I mean, that, that leads me to one of the, one of the questions before we really get into all this is, do you consider yourself more of a comedian or a magician? Mm, I would say I'm more of a magician. I mean, that's what, that's my roots. Like since I was 12, I've been doing magic. I was not funny doing magic for, for a while. And that was, I was not intentionally funny. You Got know, magicians okay. are sometimes unintentionally funny. You're like, this guy doesn't know how bad he is. You know, <laughs> uh, I was that for a while. But then in college, I kind of started doing stand up and combining the two. But well, magic because, is kind of my first label. Well, because your answer about being, you know, slightly un- unstable unless people are applauding and telling you you're good is a very comedian kind of thing. Very much so. We heard that a lot from um, the comedians when we did our com- uh, comedy series. And it was just being a performer and not being able to connect with the audience, hearing that exchange, it just really had a, an effect. So it sounds and like I it's think the same for you. as well. Like I think audiences also realized that they took it for granted for a long time. We performers took, took for granted the fact that we could be on stage and, and meet and touch and try out new material every night. And audiences, I think, realized like, oh man, I really, miss seeing shows I miss doing stuff so hopefully we'll emerge from this with a immense gratitude for all these things that make us happy people okay but your online videos have logged this blew me away a hundred million views people like people like watching and sharing magic it's funny 
Do you think? Like much, if, but you're funny yeah. as well. I think there's something very much tied to that. That it's not just like let me pull a rabbit out of my hat. It's right. Very, you're very engaging. And how did you go to Netflix and say, "I got an idea for a show"? Mm. Well, I. I mean, you know the deal. You're nothing ever happens on the first try. So there were many iterations of like, oh, I got a great idea for a magic show. Pitching rejected. Pitch rejected. Pilot rejected. This this. But every every rejection comes with you know you kind of like look at the wreckage. You're like, okay, they were kind of right. This all sucks. But this one thing was good. I'm gonna pick that up, put that in my pocket, move on to the next. And you kind of pick up all these little good kernels until you have like the realization like, ah, now I know what the, now I know what I should have been doing. And then luckily Netflix had never bought a magic show before. So it was kind of the right place at the right time. And they, they, they dug it. And it was kind of what you said, Melissa, kind of equal parts magic and tongue in cheek, funny, you know, let your guard down, not some stuffy magic show. And it, and it kind of worked. I mean, cause you're, you've been on Ellen Conan, the tonight show. The LA Times called you a new breed of comic who is making magic cool again for grown-ups. Which I that's why I asked you, what do you consider yourself first? Because it's interesting. A lot of the people who are watching and discovering you are seeing you much more as a comedian, which is a skill set as much as magic is a skill set. You know, it's it's funny, like I always idolized comedians. Um, Johnny Carson, Leno your mother, uh, Conan, uh, like I would, I would go to sleep watching comedy. Like it was what I would crave. So, but I was a magician at the time who kind of like wanted to be more. So I think part of it is the fact that, you know, I'm, I love being able to say I'm a magician and a comedian, but I don't feel because I have like such a high bar set for what I consider to be a true comedian, you know, and what it takes to, to live that life. Like I, I respect that art form a, a bit too much to say like, yeah, I'm a comedian, you know, first and foremost, but, uh, but it's in my blood. It is a big part of me for sure. But I, yeah, I found At that really the insecurities. Yeah, of course. Well, we all have them wait, you know, and I know you have a child, just wait to see how much you fuck them up. Um, oh, I'm not boy. speaking from experience. I'm, I'm, I'm at getting all. ahead of it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm uh -huh. <laughs> not that I would know anything about this. Uh -huh. Explain for us what magic for humans means. Well, so, what, as I started to kind of create the Netflix show, uh, I like, I don't like just saying, okay, here's a blank page. Let's just do some cool magic because it's a cool trick. And I, I, I like using magic to be a tool to talk about bigger ideas. I feel like, and I feel like people, people enjoy being challenged and, you know, tantalizing their curiosity. So I wanted to explore a different human theme each episode, love, grief, uh, fear, um, you know, uh, like all, all these things that I think we think about on a daily basis, but do it through the art of magic, which people aren't used to kind of seeing as a, as a way to explore an idea. What magic does, I, I find that it kind of lets people's guard down, you know, like, oh, it's just a magic trick. And once their guard is down, you can actually get into something deeper or, or intellectual or kind of like, you know, exploring the things that are a little fucked up about society, subliminal advertising. But doing it as the guys of a magic show, it's almost like a Trojan horse, you know? So, and in calling the show magic for humans, I didn't want to rule anybody out of my demographic. 
except for dogs and cats. You know, like I, I, I want it to be a show that is for everybody, but also about the things that we all have in common. That's terrific. That's really, really terrific. You uh, performed at the White House. What was that like for the Obamas? Sabrina, I did. Thank you for specifying the Obamas. By the way, and this is before ever, before you became a household name. I mean, how exactly? I was going to say the same thing. How did that even come to be and how much pressure was that? Yes. That was the most nervous I have ever been in my life. He's, he, I mean, I think of Obama as a comedian. He's so funny, effortlessly funny, cool, incredible. He's just a cool I mofo. So much, he's a cool mofo. <laughs> and we're laughing with him, And we're laughing <laughs> with him, not at him, which is what's kind of been the last, last four exactly. years. Exactly. Listen, you exactly. guys, be nice exactly. to the Cheeto man. Be nice to the Cheeto man. Oh, don't Try. start with me, Sabrina. <laughs> you should hear her when we're not rolling. See, that's the thing. Is I should be rolling constantly and put up the best of Sabrina. The best of Sabrina thought her mic was off. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll be nice to the Cheeto man when at sentencing or something. When he leaves. Um, when he sentencing. leaves, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. During but the yeah, perp walk. Hilarious. But Michelle also is so funny. She is so funny. So anyway, I was very nervous to meet the both of them. I This was like in 2008. Oh, wait, wait, he became president. Oh, wait. This is right before his reelection for his second term. It was for the Halloween party. So it was like all the White House staffers, military families, everybody in a costume, which kind of made me a little more comfortable. But then Barack showed up and he's dressed. He's not in a costume. He's dressed as... Obama in a fleece like that, that's his costume as he got <laughs> was he and, wearing the uh, mom jeans he I don't remember his pants they I think he'd probably been called out in the mom jeans he was he was a little hipper then Michelle probably yeah. started dressing him by that point and it was the most nervous I'd ever been it was he was so cool though he he heckled I mean in a good way <laughs> normally you know hecklers think they're they're doing you a favor and they they never are they're like oh I was trying to help you but he actually was like like a hype heckle he was like are you guys seeing this how's he doing this like where did that bowling ball come from you know this guy was your, he was your hype man he was my hype man yes uh, but but uh, <laughs> nobody can pull off being a hype man without rehearsal like that man like it was it was kind of jarring at first but it was a beautiful beautiful thing they were so cool and i figure after that if that was the most nervous I'd ever been, then I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. Going forward, I'll never be that nervous, I don't think. We'll the, sky, the sky was the limit. You were sky well was on your way. Mm-hmm. So it's all what downhill was, from there. That's what right. Was, what was your uh, finale trick for the Obamas? Because that had to be like a big, you know, everyone needs a big close before thank you, good night, please remember, tip your waitress. Exactly. Well, since it was a Halloween, it was a Halloween show, I, ha- I wrote this bit about... William Henry Harrison, who was the first president to die in the White House. He was president for one month because he (laughs) delivered his inauguration speech. He did it with no coat to show he was young, even though he was the oldest president at the time. Got pneumonia, died a month later. So I did this bit about uh, the place being, the White House being haunted by William Henry Harrison. So I made, you know, spooky music's playing. I have this, this wooden table that I brought that I lied. I said this was his nightstand, William Henry Harrison's nightstand. And this table starts floating all over the place. And it was super creepy, like a little seance. The, the kids were a little creeped out. But that was the big closer. And afterwards, I think everyone was just relieved to know that, you know, a ghost wasn't about to jump out. And it was a success. But Michelle yeah. was a little creeped out. I was going like, to say. freaking out over here. 
Yeah. I have to say the and, and don't worry about the fact that the Obama girls probably did not sleep in their you know in their rooms for the next four nights. That's true. They're like, Daddy, is this true about William Henry Harrison? Why did they give the magician his nightstand? Don't ask. Yeah, questions. exactly. Who? What? Who was your magic wise? Who were your inspirations? How did you, you know, become interested in magic? Well, I so I broke both of my arms when I was twelve. Because How? I was riding riding my bike while also wearing rollerblades. <laughs> the whole nother story. Let's not get distracted by it. But I was twelve and dumb. We'll try. We'll try. I want we'll to try you, it out. At which point did you realize it wasn't a good idea? When a bone was sticking out of my arm. Okay, fair enough. Up until that point, I thought it was great. Okay, so you again thought I'm just reiterating to make sure I understand this. We're twelve years old and riding your bike. While wearing rollerblades. While Obviously. wearing rollerblades. Okay, so you... Brilliant, you, smart idea. X yeah. Games, it was in my future. Yeah. And uh, I messed up my arms pretty bad, so I was in cast for six months. My doctor offhand recommended, hey, you should learn card tricks to get your dexterity back. So that's how I became a magician. That's what got me into it. And then I became obsessed. And, you know, I, I loved Penn & Teller. You know, when I was a kid, they were kind of my introduction to, oh, magic can be you know, funny and subversive. Uh, you know, David Copperfield, of course, this glorious God that you see as a child, and he, he was the awesome, Lance Burton. But then I think I was really excited to learn that people like Johnny Carson started as a magician, Steve Martin started as a magician. I kind of liked that magic was this uh, gateway to, you know, uh, multifaceted entertain entertainers. So that was my, uh, that, that kind of was my foundation. Well, that's what you are. You are a multifaceted entertainer. If you think about it. I try to diversify, you know, well, in this economy, you got to mm -hmm. mix it up a little bit. Smart. And, <laughs> you know, I've been, I, I was checking out a lot of your stuff online. Um, you use basically household props in a I lot do. of... I do. I'm cheap. Okay, fair enough. But you have <laughs> also used your child as a prop. Um, I'm cheap. <laughs> does that work? <laughs> I mean, how do you, how does your wife nicely say to you, honey, put the baby down? <laughs> I mean, I will say it's a fine line between exploitation and celebration, right? Like it's, Very. He, it's never against his will, I don't think. He does enjoy seeing himself on camera. He doesn't understand magic of course because he's two so he doesn't understand you're not supposed to give away the secret but uh it's very funny when he does i i listen i'm not going to push him into the entertainment business but because like a show like magic for humans it's a it's about being real it's not trying to be a mysterious magic show so it kind of becomes autobiographical i mean it obviously takes a lot of pre-planning i mean the one of the clips i saw you had your child in a tom cruise onesie i did i did <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of prep work. Cut to me like 2 a.m. the night before, like ironing on Tom Cruise printouts. So like, damn it, it's too big. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of DIY prep work. I mean, that's the thing. You know, when you watch a talented musician, you know, if you watch Eddie Van Halen, may he rest in peace, you see his fingers doing insane things. You're like, that must have taken a lot of practice and you respect it. But with magic, you kind of, you don't want to see the work. You just, it needs to look effortless. It needs to seem like it just happens. So I have to kind of hide all the, all the tedious prep work 
behind the scenes a little bit. So is that is that how you keep it fresh and fun? I yeah, I mean that's you know also same with comedy. People come to see you a second time. They want to see new stuff. Music, they want to see the hits. You know, musicians kind of get annoyed that they don't get to play new stuff as much. But comedians and magicians, once they've heard the joke, once they've seen the trick, you know, they'll never see it or hear it the same way again. You know, so you kind of always have to be reinventing new material. I mean, and you you brought up Penn and Teller, and they have that great TV show. You know, the Fool Us show. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and I noticed that when I was watching that, and I'm wondering if it, it's the same for you. We live in a world of like where we can freeze things, rewind, fast forward. That's got to create a lot more work for you that people can't figure things out by going frame by frame. How do you, I mean, how do you deal with that? How do you do that? And like people are watching in 4K, you know, so people, you know, sometimes people think. And by the way, in 5K. 5K now and 6. I mean, how many Ks? It's crazy. People, I think, have this misconception that, oh, when you're doing magic on TV, it's easier to fool people. But it is so much harder because when I'm in person, you know, your eyes can only look one one place, you know, and you can't rewind. You can play it back in your head, but you're going to leave stuff out. That's how a magician uses your own psychology against you. With TV, we have to basically like in the you wouldn't believe how many takes like or oh we did a trick for this one person on the street and everything was so good except you know you can kind of see you know they were amazed but the camera kind of can see something you're not supposed to see and we have to trash that whole take you know that's a it's a bummer but it's worth it in the end but yeah it is meticulous i have to kind of make it youtube comment proof what to watch it as a snarky youtuber right (laughs) what what trick has gone horribly wrong has that happened? I mean, that's got to be more oh, of an in-person yeah. thing than a, than a film, than a TV thing. Yeah. Um, let me think here. I've, I mean, I will tell you when I was like a teenager starting out, like th- this kind of does come full circle. This is, this, this is, I was doing kids' birthday parties a lot and I was doing a backyard birthday party and I had a dove that, that I would use in my act that would make the dove appear at the beginning of the show. And everyone loves it when a bird appears, you know, you hook them, that's your opener. So I made the bird appear, but a little gust of wind blew and the bird kind of started to flutter and flew up into a tree, okay? Now some magicians trim their bird's wings so that this doesn't happen, but I didn't like to do that because I feel that's just, I don't know, birds are meant to fly. I don't wanna make a, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, make a bird not do its most impressive thing. You wouldn't want a bird. You wouldn't want a bird to ride a bicycle with rollerblades. Precisely. Yeah. However, the bird's in the tree, and I can't do anything about it. So I kind of act like that's part of the show. I'm like, oh, behold, the bird. It's in the tree. I'll come. You'll come down later. I do for my 45 minute show. Bird's still not in a tree. I've got another birthday party gig. I got to get to across town. So I leave. I come back later that day because I told this family I'm going to climb the tree and get the bird. And they told me that shortly after I left, a hawk started circling, swooped oh. in. Oh, no. And ate the bird in front of the children. Oh, my goodness. Did they yeah. still pay you? They still paid me. Okay. <laughs> That's what These I'm were, sorry. This was the days of cash. They yeah. could have canceled their Venmo if it was nowadays. You know but what? You can't you take that will- cash back. I, I have to say you were a G for going back for the bird because I would have been like, I had to get across town. Y'all get that bird or you got a new pet. 
Well, when you're when you're like 16, you know, doves cost like 40 bucks a piece. And she was my friend, this little, this little sweetheart. Yeah. You Aww. kind of bond with your little. I mean, when I was a teenager, I would exploit my pets. And now as a, a, a dad, I exploit my son, but he can't fly. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's when they leave. Um, <laughs> trust me, I was an exploited child. <laughs> and your wings were clipped, unfortunately. Oh, no, they never clipped my wings. They were just confident eventually I'd come back. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just laughing because growing up, I spent a lot of time in Las Vegas backstage, and you're talking about the hawk eating your act. Um, so I grew up backstage, and I remember back when Siegfried and Roy were part of a larger show. This is well before they had their own show. And it was at Hallelujah Hollywood at the old MGM. And one of the dogs from the dog act went missing. And there was a huge screaming match backstage between the dog handler and Siegfried and Roy standing in front of one of their big cats screaming, your dog ate my act. I mean, your cat ate my act. Oh Your my god. I ate my act. The dog was found, but I remember that big scene backstage. Your 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 cats ate my act. Um, <laughs> can you imagine the panic? Can you imagine? So think of it as being in good company. Uh before hey, we leave entertainment, you go, entertainment's a cat eat dog business. You know? It really, really <laughs> is. Uh what's next? Was there gonna be a season two? Are you already shooting season two? Well, we actually we did we have three seasons up on Netflix of Magic for Humans, which is crazy because it happened over the it's like over the course of two two years. You know these streamings, people binge it, they right. they eat it up, they're hungry for more. So there's about twenty episodes online right now. How have you how, sh- did, how have you cranked out twenty episodes? It's it's he's it's a, a magician, of- Melissa. He's a magician. <laughs> Damn it! I mean that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> it's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of tricks. It is kind of nice. Now. I mean, I wish we could be making more right now, but it's it's a hard show to shoot in a COVID world, you know? Cause like we did a segment in season three called Close Up Magic. I'm like, hey, you wanna see some close up magic? And I get like two inches from the dude's face and we do a trick right here. Can't do that now, you know? So uh, when we emerge from this pandemic, um, we're gonna shoot some more stuff. In the meantime though, I've been doing these Magic for Humans at home Zoom shows. So it's kind of like the Zoom version of the Netflix show. And um, we did, you know, you know, in August, September, we had t- like tens of thousands of people from around the world. All these families huddled around their computer, like excited to experience wonder together. Like it was a beautiful thing. I wrote a brand new show for Halloween, which is a blast. And now I have a brand new Christmas show that I'm doing the weekend before Christmas that's been so fun. So it's, it's a way that I can get my magic fix in the meantime, in the midst of this craziness, and that people can also get their magic fix. So magicforzoom.com is where where people can get tickets. So that's what's that's what's keeping me emotionally stable. Well, thank goodness for that. You have brought so much fun and laughter and joy to so many people during this. So pleased to meet you. Absolutely. So pleased to meet you. Sabrina, Melissa, hopefully one day in person. Hope. But this was this was a great uh, uh, plan B. So thanks well, for having me on. Well, fantastic. Can't thank you enough. Have a great holiday season. Mm-hmm. 